0: What conditions
1: are stipulation?
0: I probably would have, like, promised myself a marriage to, Ooh. like, a 40-year-old. That friend, was, like,
1: like
0: Illinois or something. And your then, form
1: of rebellion was... No, I was just
0: very naive and very trusting, and I did not figure out that people were bad until I was, like, 18. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's fine. It's true of a lot of us. Very sheltered home I was up. I was brought up in. Um, okay, so... What would your screen name have been? Oh... You have to make it bad because you have to compensate for all of us having bad screen names. Like, mine was Spread Your Wings, Why You Are 52.
0: What have my screen names been? Um, hmm, Probably something like Bedazzled Brook mm. 95. Yeah,
1: that seems that seems about right.
0: My first email was "Yellow lark 195 because yellow metal larks are, like, my state bird.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's really diplomatic and was, it's yeah. fine. It's <laughs> fine. Okay,
0: folks. Uh, this is... Exceedingly
1: persuasive. I'm Brooke Rogers. I'm Mackenzie Brennan. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate everyone being nice to us over the last week. People have been very nice. And if you
0: have had negative thoughts, you have not shared them with us, which
1: which you can. You can do You're that. You're welcome to. But we also appreciate the dearth of them so far. We appreciate really the positivity.
0: Cool. It's been really nice um hearing all of your feedback. Someone left us a really nice
1: review on Beezle B which Beazle I think B. is a
0: Beelzebub thing. I think so. Uh, Really sweet. We appreciate reviews and subscriptions. Subscribes? Subscribers? I think
1: subscribers. That sounds Sounds right.
0: (laughs) I think that's the official (laughs) word for it. Um, And, yeah, if you...
1: Yeah, follow, we are
0: finally on iTunes. We finally got an iTunes on Apple Podcast. Freaking yes. yeah.
1: Thanks, Tim from Apple. Who? That's a real thing. Tim from Apple helped us. Tim he Apple. I think he was the Tim Apple. That was the one. The man the, himself. Yep. So this week we thought, you know, both of us are having kind of a nutty week. And we're both moving this week. We're both moving this Somehow week.
0: Somehow we just both ma- managed to move on the same week. I'm moving to Queens. Heck yeah. You're moving to Greenpoint, right?
1: Well, that or Clinton Hill... Who knows what's going to mm. happen? but It's exciting.
0: It's What better time of right year? Now. What yeah. better time of year than it's hot. super don't hot move outside. to lift things? I have done nothing in preparation for my move. No. I have, like, two suitcases packed. I am pushing everything to Saturday, which is when I actually have to be out of the apartment. That's what you
1: got to do. That's what you got to do. That's the best way to do things. But So we thought that this week, because there have been a lot of headlines about related legal issues that this could be a week to just do a crash course our take on drunk history which is us with uh stella and uh mclobultra McLo- mom talking about the actual like legal and policy bases behind these things and how we got to where we are and how we get out of it and how to navigate it. So Mackenzie's going to be driving
0: the car on this episode because she is a lawyer and I'm going to be sitting shotgun. Drunk driving. Picking tunes. Heck yeah. We're just going to be just rolling through this. We hope that you enjoy coming along with us. Um, hope it doesn't suck. Hope it doesn't suck. But first, the USMNT soccer team, I'm not going to say whipped, but they definitely beat <laughs> England soccer team the Lionesses today which means that they are going up against either I think it's Sweden or the Netherlands that sounds right on Sunday There's some light swatting th- whoever wins the next game um and this made Pierce Morgan extremely sad which of course and in a turn, lot of chauvinists
1: worldwide I'd say because it's very like angry. how dare these athletes who are arguably some of the best in the world mm. I don't know that anyone really could argue with that actually mm-hmm. that they are some of the best athletes in the world why are they so proud of it? Openly. The word
0: arrogant was thrown around a lot. Oh, yes. Also by Pierce Morgan, who is the most arrogant person I know
1: online. Yeah, but so, he has a weenie, so it's OK. It's okay. And they're all just bitter. You know what? No, it's, I saw so
0: much like, especially in the UK, they were very upset that the uh, US was all hyped and had basically been celebrating their wins. And they were like, is the US team too arrogant? And I'm like, we beat your ass in the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. And we How's saved our ass arrogance? in World War One and World War Two, so you can go
1: dance on that Pick a ball. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it clean because your mom. I mean, your mom makes, your mom <laughs> she's is making, making me, me self-conscious. Shout out to my mom for censoring our likes and yeah. ums and curses. I can't say that any of it is not constructive. So it's like, true. anyway, Pierce
0: Morgan was very sad online, which made me very happy online. We all um, mourn for Pierce. He's had a he's had a rough go of the last fifty or so years. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> So the first. Little news item of the week is that the ACLU is suing the state of Florida because the governor just signed into law a bill that
1: would roll back the Amendment 4 Amendment is what 4. I saw yeah, it. there we go. This Amendment 4 is not to be confused with the Fourth Amendment. This is. No, this is a Florida Amendment 4. This is a Florida four. Amendment 4 that everyone was very excited about uh, maybe, hmm, I want to say a year or so ago. I think it was 2018. Because it was one of the. Florida's always been one of the biggest disenfranchising states for ex-felons though i think florida was one of the only ones and correct me if i'm wrong but i think florida is one of the only ones that in which the ban is permanent and it applies to a large range of felonies so no i believe you're right florida used to prevent all people who have been convicted of a felony from voting permanently I believe for the rest of their lives even if they've they've served their sentence they're Mm -hmm. free now even if it was decades on decades ago they permanently lost the right to vote which uh, does not seem like part of the intended sentence and when you think of jurors who are involved in the sentencing process or at least the convicting process in a lot of these cases I don't know that a lot of people understand that they are permanently depriving someone of this right when they cast their vote so so 20 states uh, do not allow persons convicted of a felony to vote
0: while serving a sentence but automatically restore the franchise to persons sorry to people upon completion of a sentence which is actually way more than i thought i thought it was just a couple that uh,
1: means while they're in prison that means they can't vote while they're in prison Which makes sense. Right.
0: Thirteen states allow people on probation and parole to vote, but not inmates, which makes sense. And then five states um, allow people on probation but not inmates or parolees to vote. And then nine states allow some but not all persons with felony convictions to vote after having completed their sentences.
1: So that does put Florida formerly in one of the more extreme... Brackets. Yes, absolutely.
0: One state, which is Virginia, permanently disenfranchises people with felony convictions.
1: So, yeah. So just to recap, Florida Mm -hmm. was one of the most restrictive states on felons and restoring their rights to vote. Right. This amendment for... which passed in 2018, 2018 midterms, restored by like 65 percent of the vote. I it think it was.
0: It was a majority. So which is really, a, big deal. a
1: landslide when you think of close elections. It restored the right of most of these felons or ex felons, ex felons, yeah, to vote unless they had been convicted of murder, murder or, or sex offenses.
0: That's right. Now and it was without qualification. So yes. then um almost immediately so where we are now yeah. the Florida House which is GOP run started what? the pro- I'm shocked. Shocking, started the process to roll back those rights they immediately started to put into place the qualification that before you had the right to vote again you would have to pay off all court fees and legal fees
1: which are exorbitant for a lot of people and they're the kind of thing that can stay with you like disenfranchisement many many years after being released and when you compound that with the difficulty of a lot of ex-felons finding jobs Mm -hmm. it kind of becomes a catch-22 that you can't break out of. If we want to bring people back into society
0: and have them participate in society after they've been released. We should allow them to vote. I think it will make them more invested in their community. I think it'll make them feel more like a whole American again. After an extremely traumatic experience in prison, which generally um, changes people's outlook on on life and their community and where they belong and and how to participate in society, I think people see that. I think people understand that, and that's why it was voted through. Well, particularly,
1: uh, just to add, if the goal of prison, and for a lot of these punishment systems, if the goal is rehabilitation, then how do you rehabilitate somebody if, when they're convicted, when they're, say, 18, they serve their sentence, losing the right to vote is not necessarily articulated by the jury or by the sentence itself as part of the sentence, but then they turn 60 and they Mm -hmm. still don't have the right to vote. How are we rehabilitating those people? How are we meeting the goal? What this does essentially is it means that wealthy felons,
0: which sometimes means white collar felons, which sometimes white and white collar, uh, they immediately have the right to vote and it means that poor people, people who can't afford to cover their court fees and legal fees are denied the right to vote. What they're trying to do is limit the number of people who are able to access this right again because they know that the addition of all of these new voters can po- possibly swing an election in the future and Florida is on the line as it is. They are so f- afraid of these new voters that instead of trying to win them over, they are trying to shut down their right to vote. So it just shows you what's at risk for the GOP in Florida and also how far they're willing to go to win re- their reaction to it.
1: And the bottom line is that they don't want to risk losing their electorate. And so, if you have a lot of new franchise people, enfranchised yeah. people, I mean,
0: it's so about one point four million Floridians were it's a
1: huge amount of people. Yeah,
0: were given back the right to vote because of this amendment. For because at some
1: point in their lifetime they were convicted of a crime. A, a lot of them were saying, "Well, I was a teenager." A lot of them, yeah. it had to do with. Uh, like drug problems that they've now overcome, and some of them had even repurposed it into rehabilitation programs to help other. And
0: again, it was when it's something when it comes down to something like the right to vote, it's not do they deserve it? It's it, is it inherent? Is it yeah? Is that an inherent right that we have as Americans? And do you? I mean, I think that there is a point where you lose that right, but I don't think it should. The line should be a felony. Yeah,
1: I think that we all agree and understand. I think I hope that the right to vote is a fundamental one in this country and mm-hmm. the equal protection clause has kind of become a function of that and has protected the right to vote as a fundamental right I don't think any of us think that it is absolute if you look at things like age yeah. I mean we all agree that okay if you're under 18 that fundamental right is not absolute you cannot vote then uh, if you look at location you have to vote in your district right. and you have to vote only once so number of votes uh, there are certain limits that we all, for the most part, universally agree on. There are other things that we agree on on a spectrum, like a mm-hmm. uh, residency. So right. is it enough to be a resident of your district? Is it enough to be an undocumented resident of your district. You have to be a citizen of your district. You have to show your ID. And that's where a lot of these voter ID laws have also come up in this conversation. And again, like the GOP in Florida, it seems to be a very convenient argument that is made by a party that does not tend to have a lot of voters who are, say, ex disenfranchised ex-felons or people who are anything but white.
0: I think that they know, I will say this, I don't want to classify, you know, poor people as one
1: color and rich people as another or anything like that Because that's that's not entirely accurate, but I do think that I think the party lines are definitely consistent with race a lot of the time I think that's
0: true as well I, I would say that the GOP is afraid of this law for a good reason Because they know that this will change the outcome of elections Absolutely. later on. And again, instead of trying to pursue those people's votes and write policy that would appeal right. to them. They're trying to shut down their access to Or except voting. that they're
1: people and that they live in the districts where votes are cast and that their interests should be considered. No. God forbid. But in any event you were correct. Um it's about paying back fees. Um mm-hmm. Ironically, one of the ones that they list is paying fees that I guess are instated in Florida when you are appointed a public defender, which essentially only happens when you cannot afford an attorney. But then it sounds like from this short summary that you have to pay some fee for being appointed a public defender. And that's the type of fee that then you have to pay back. So uh, what the ACLU is arguing and what I think is a, a relatively strong argument is that this functions like a poll tax. And To give a little bit of background on poll taxes and what they've meant for racial minorities and for low-income communities throughout the past, I think the most famous example would be Jim Crow laws in the Mm -hmm. South that once the 15th Amendment gave newly freed slaves and their descendants the right to vote in the South and throughout the country. The Southern state governments kind of crafted ways up until the 60s, so for a century, to still prevent minority communities, and in this case black communities, from exercising that right and keeping them as a second class tier of mm-hmm. society. So poll taxes were one of them. There are also poll tests. I believe, where some states would have uh, literacy tests before you were allowed to vote. And then redistricting is something that we'll get to later, because that was another function that that was used. I did want to mention there's a case called Harper versus, surprisingly, Virginia Board of Elections. Shocking. (laughs) So we see that we're consistent. And in that case, the Supreme Court Said that you cannot require a poll tax. Though the state argued that it fostered an investment in politics because people were paying to exercise the right, the Supreme Court said, no, that's not okay. There is no correlation between the right and having the ability to pay. So they said wealth is a suspect class. If are doing anything that classifies voters and their right to vote along wealth-based lines, and that'll automatically give a closer eye of scrutiny to the law in question. So that's a good indication that this is not going to thrive. Because hopefully. if you
0: implement something like a poll tax, you're shrinking the voter pool. And then the question is, who are you shrinking that voter pool to? What do those people look like? How do those people vote? And it's what not are an their earned right. It's,
1: it's not something that you have to work in this country to be able to. Ex- I mean, that's no longer a democracy if it's yeah. conditioned. And one of the great pieces of reasoning that was used in Harper, it was consistent with what you were saying about chemical castration, because mm-hmm. they actually compared it to a previous case called Skinner, which disallowed castration of criminals. Another interesting thing that Alabama's doing that, and I have a feeling that'll get questioned on the same ground, but they were saying that the right to vote, like the right to procreate, is so fundamental that it can't be conditioned on something so paltry. As wealth or other qualifications like that. That is a useful precedent. I'm astounded that we're here now because decades go by and somehow we're still puzzling over the same questions that I thought were over and done with, but. Well,
0: I think that as long as one party is gaining ground over another based off these laws, we're always going to face these questions. Petty tactics, though. Man, I thought they were dead. Pretty nakedly political. Even their arguments for it were so half-hearted. What were they? um, They just basically said that, like, to totally repay your debt to society, you should have to pay. The fact that they even... Showed up and tried to argue. Like, don't about even it.
1: try. Just, so many times, can we please just call it what it is? Because at this point in American politics, I don't think you'll lose much voter base, for better or worse. Just like we were saying last week with. Trump fans being OK with him being a rapist. Just say it. Yeah, call it what I mean, it is.
0: These allegations have had very little to no effect on his yeah. voter base. No, I mean, some people just they don't care. OK, Fine. so this kind of goes directly into another important issue that just got decided in the Supreme Court, which is the issue of gerrymandering.
1: So, wait. Name for Elbridge Gerry, it is pronounced gerrymandering, and I don't know that anybody has ever adequately explained to me why that is.
0: Um, you will not accept it. Gerrymandering is drawing district lines in a way that helps one political party or the other, that's drawing around who they think will vote one way or the other.
1: Right. The party in power, when they're in power, draws the district. And the concept that this touches is one person, one vote. Yeah. And that's the whole line of jurisprudence behind it. That in this country theoretically we have this great idea that one person gets one vote and you could get into the electoral college and how that messes with it but once it gets to be such that one district covers a huge array of people everybody who's within a certain party and it draws these crazy lines in order to constrain them in one place but the people of the other party get like six districts and yeah. thus a lot more representation at the end of the day It kind of connects to the electoral college, because it's like, wait a second, how much representation is this one district getting, this one crazy-lined blue district, versus six very small red districts, for example, that are just little tiny squares? And I'm hyperbolizing for the sake of argument.
0: More often than not (laughs) red, even though both parties have used this to their advantage. Yeah, I
1: think everybody uses this. It seems to be conservatives who push the envelope the most. Those are usually the ones that you see challenges against. I mean... You gotta hand it to him. It's a good tactic. So that was actually the first context in which the Supreme Court confronted this when it was... (sighs) Some state, and I swear to God, I think it was Virginia. <laughs>
0: but Virginia is really holding down the line for shitty vote, and we're allowed I'm to sorry. say that because like shitty voting laws. We're yeah, both red state babies. It's we fine. are. I'm Wyoming. You're Arizona. We're not trying to hate, but you make it so you easy. got it. You got it.
1: Okay, uh, so Reynolds versus Sims. If you're following along at home, if you so want to
0: Wikipedia, search these. Wiki
1: also Oye is a great resource. O y e z. It's sick. <laughs> but. <laughs> So this was a redistricting thing. They essentially had not redrawn their districts. And so they were using literally 60 year old census data to base their districts on. So they're like, no, 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 this is definitely still relevant. Nothing has changed. Obviously, it was a lot more beneficial to, again, it was the Republican Party. Eh. I'm not making this stuff up. (laughs) Because this is not me being biased. I'm not being partisan. Everybody else. But something like that, it's presumed to be unconstitutional, and to rebut that presumption, the party in power, the one that's drawing all these districts, has to show that they made a good-faith effort to be honest about their line drawing and that they had good information. The onus is on them to show that it was not partisan. Again, the reasoning was based on this whole one-person-one-vote thing, and you can't have... One party deciding that the other party's votes mean less, in essence. And if you look at the poll tax thing, that's what it comes down to, too. Because if only, say, 70% of ex felons can afford to pay off their court fees, that means that that percentage gets higher significance to their vote. Right. Just for the people following along Mm -hmm. at home,
0: if you could explain the case that was decided in the Supreme Court. If a legislature draws districts that disproportionately favor one party, usually called partisan gerrymandering, Mm -hmm. it's a political question the federal courts can't fix.
1: So this is kind of an interesting one because it it sounds like both parties were under the microscope here. North Carolina was doing districting that favored the Republicans, and Maryland was doing districting that favored the Democrats.
0: Right, so just to underscore that this is a tactic that both parties use whenever
1: they have the chance. (laughs) Yes. So the predecessor to this that a lot of people saw as an indication that the court may not answer this down the line was in 2004, I think. So there's this doctrine in the law and in Supreme Court jurisprudence that if it's a political question, it's called the political question doctrine, that the court won't get into it. This was a big thing, for example, in Bush versus Gore. Right. And people, I'm not going to name names, but I still to this day... Feel like the court should not have engaged in something that was so obviously partisan and that was deciding the outcome. And of that's why the election. I actually
0: agree with this decision. Um, I do think that the court should stay out of obviously
1: yeah i i certainly agree with the doctrine i don't know that i would put this in that category because to me it falls more in line with things like the poll tax it's more the strategy than the outcome and i think that's why it was so tactful to use both republican and democrat districts in different Mm -hmm. states because it wasn't favoring one party over the other had they decided to answer it right it was condemning the strategy had they done so But it wasn't saying like it was in Bush versus Gore, which they did decide to answer, that one party wins this dispute. Right. For better or worse, in practice, it would have favored one party because one party tends to engage in it more. But in ruling on this strategy, I don't know that they're ruling on a political question. Okay. That's That's my opinion. And obviously, five out of the nine disagreed with me. I'm not super surprised. The Roberts Court, even when it had more of a liberal constitution, no pun intended, back in 2013, was not the biggest advocate for voting rights, especially when it means favoring the disenfranchised racial minorities or Mm -hmm. lower socioeconomic classes, because Shelby versus Holder kind of repealed the VRA, the thing that was protecting a lot of these ex-Jim Crow state racial minorities and my right to vote. Um, so yeah, part nah. of
0: the reason why this was taken to the Supreme Court was that last year the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned a Republican-drawn state map and replaced it with one drawn by an independent expert, leading Democrats to gain three House seats in 2018. Mm. So, do you think that that would be a solution? Is to instead of have the party in power draw the the lines, that we had an independent person come in and do it for
1: them? Basically, it sounds great. And I would love to think that that is feasible. I think independence has become such like a foreign concept these days. I don't know that anybody could agree on independence and... Like, who do you appoint to
0: do that? Yeah, like,
1: I feel like somehow within the last, since the 2016 election, like, facts have somehow become partisan when they do not favor your opinion. Yeah. It terrifies the hell out of me. I mean,
0: we had the whole situation with the idea of alternative facts. Yeah. Under Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's. And Conway, yeah. And Conway, yeah.
1: So I think it's a great solution. I think it sounds like a very doable thing. I worry in a society that's this far gone, (laughs) who do you find. And it comes down to who's affected by these issues. I think that's part of why it's so partisan these days, is we're getting down to a lot of fundamental issues, like the right to vote, like the right to privacy, like the right to control your own body, that nobody can really be independent. Right. Everybody's affected How in some way. How do we
0: way. appoint someone who everyone
1: agrees Has no investment in that, yeah. yeah. Especially if they're from the state in question. I mean, I, I, I want to say
0: that if it were a team of people it might be better but then you just start getting into the territory of how many people and again like where do they come from and
1: everyone would have to be on board yeah and I would be ready like I'm gung-ho I'd I'd participate and I would help but it just takes one person to decide that it's not above board or get sour about the outcome Yeah, and then even retroactively be like this really wasn't Bipartisan, or this wasn't yeah. independent, and all of a sudden it's all thrown into chaos again. It was all for naught. I, I, I don't know. Look at
0: this, Mackenzie Brennan, a registered Democrat, deciding <sighs> right. voting lines.
1: Yeah, pessimist, realist. Mackenzie is in the house. <laughs> Doesn't think. I that don't know. What's all just here. go to bed and pull our comforters over our head, and wait for the end. Um, it's too hot for that. But That's I agree true. with the spirit of what you said.
0: <laughs> about We're got this counts. earlier but i'm wearing fox news makeup today which is heavier to... than regular broadcast is, makeup i gotta assume all, i love my makeup guy his name is gil shout out to gil he's wonderful and, and as someone to... who can see
1: her gil nailed it Thanks, it is sweaty gil. as heck up in here i said heck not hell mom and her lashes are on. She's still contoured. These lashes are on. I'm over here just fighting butt sweat. And <laughs> she is glowing. But it feels so like cool. if I can't touch my
0: face because my face is melting off. It is so hot in New York City right now. It is the 2nd of July, which means that we are just getting into street garbage smell season. Hey, and folks.
1: This is our actual Independence Day. Oh wow! Happy woo. Independence Day!
0: Cheers to that! Oh, oh my God! Only haters celebrate the on the fourth. Oh. The I did not realize this, but the U.S. women's soccer team kicked England's butt oh on our actual God. Independence Day.
1: That well, don't just drink men. the tea, pour it into the harbor, bitches! No drinking tea on this <laughs> uh-uh. day. Uh-uh. Do you know the poison. the Boston Harbor... Boston. I almost said harbor. Have. I I don't even know how to do that accent, but it's like my body <laughs> was trying to. Um, Boston Harbor. There are places where it's still. There's an essence of tea if you taste the bay water. Um, I'm gonna say just maybe don't taste the bay water. That
0: sounds like a no, terrible I'm gonna, idea. I'm gonna
1: go and Lick in to the prove Baywater. this old wives' tale. <laughs> I'm gonna just start. Yeah, w- drinking okay. salt water. I do have questions
0: already. Like, when was the last time a person drank the bay water and figured this out? I don't know. Also, are we sure that the taste they're tasting is not just dead bodies that the know. mob threw in the river? Okay. I don't know.
1: <laughs> dark was- up in here. It is dark like is the dregs hot. of a loose leaf. Black
0: teacup, and dark, hey. and full of tea. Act- literal tea and figurative tea, because you just dropped some tea on us.
1: Yeah, dropping it since 1776. <laughs> That's us, baby. Um, okay, Anyways, so we got
0: way off subject. Back um, to the
1: fabric of our nation. Back to the, yes. So, you know, which we never left. left. Okay, um, so now,
0: actually, this is, you know, you probably wanna- a good time. Let's switch into Mackenzie mode, which is <sighs> the law. God help us all and everything that encompasses it and, mm. and made it, created it, birthed it. I would say
1: that's me. That's what I do. That's what Mackenzie's. So, is. so um, this again. is great because I'm getting deeper into my Michelob Ultras. We can really lean into this strong history through feel. this Brooke Stella. Yeah, Brooke Stella is, to be fair, a lot bigger than than one of my beers and so we won't judge her for not having finished one yet yeah.
0: okay so that's probably talk better to for her about okay about immigration
1: law give me the rundown the synopsis it's all broken it's broken man <laughs> it's not good so <laughs> our theoretical transition between the two topics is that the gerrymandering decision last week uh, came out on the same day as the court ruled, in my opinion, more favorably On the citizenship question that Trump's administration proposed to add to the next census Which is due soon Basically,
0: uh, the next time you would fill out a census It would ask if you're a citizen or not Obviously, if you answer no, that might attract some attention and Especially then be in this era Of being deported Everything I mean, is an scrutinized accident. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely. Not it's so funny because it's so blatant, but it is... There's uh, plausible deniability.
1: And this is worth explaining because without knowing the risks involved, you can think, well, why is that so bad? And we were actually talking about this uh, at work because I do a lot of guardianship work and sometimes the question of whether somebody's documented comes up and, and it presents some issues. Right. New York as a sanctuary city gets into some weird water because we get federal funding. Mm-hmm. And well, even with New York state also just
0: made it legal for undocumented people to get driver's licenses. And one of the concerns from advocacy groups was, is this going to mean that they're put on a, a, a list? There's a database that yeah. now there's
1: like a formalized government database of who is undocumented in this city. And the city certainly has a target on its back in terms of Trump, despite him thinking that we love him here on some weird gold-building level. But sometimes we have issues at the courthouses. If somebody comes in for something totally unrelated, like a guardianship hearing, and it comes out that they're undocumented, and ICE people are on the steps, and it's really up to the court officers to decide whether to let them in or not, the officers are in a very difficult position. Right. Well, Tiffany Caban, who just
0: won the um, Queen's Democratic nomination for queen's da mm-hmm. which basically means she's gonna be queen's da i mean let's not pretend that there's a what a, huge a republicans Republican not gonna there. win <laughs> um she beat melinda katz by like a tiny little smidge and she is running on um as like a progressive prosecutor who and actually i would love to do an episode on the role of a da and what we think about progressive oh, let's prosecutors talk to judge. and let's do that yeah
1: I gotta toot my judge's horn that he was the first black DA in New York State and what what cool. yeah so um but yeah, so, so Tiffany Caban one of the things she is
0: saying is that she would actually prosecute uh, ICE agents who tried to make courthouse arrests. That's um, great. Question though, what under what law could she prosecute courthouse arrests? So is there is there an actual law? And this uh, excuse my ignorance on this, but I didn't actually know that. There so was what was a, her policy? She said that she would prosecute ICE agents who tried to make arrests at courthouses. So Is I don't know. I don't
1: know that she could prosecute them. What comes to mind, and again,'m I'm, I'm answering on the fly. But what I would assume is that because we're a sanctuary city and thus we do not allow our local law enforcement who do have jurisdiction here to become deputized because that's how sanctuary cities work. ICE will deputize local law enforcement in a lot of cities to say, hey, even though you're not ICE agents, cooperate with our means and ends and help us round up undocumented people in your city we hereby deputize you to do our job where you are so that we can have more eyes and hands out there
0: i do picture this as like a weird knighting ceremony but just like with a sheriff's badge Ew,
1: gross <laughs> i don't i don't like any part of that picture. in new york as a sanctuary city what that means is that we refuse to do that our local law enforcement we won't deputize them or allow them to be deputized so The biggest thing I can think is, okay, an ICE agent out of their jurisdiction, essentially, coming onto court property and making arrests out of their purview when we expressly have said that the law enforcement here that does have jurisdiction is not empowered to do that. That would probably be the strongest argument you could say for their their stepping out of their range and that we can... I don't know that anybody would be like arrested and sentenced to prison for that. No, but it'd there would be, be it would
0: be just it would a sanction
1: or like a slap on the wrist or or a a verbal kick out that everybody can hear,
0: you know. So, just getting back to that immigration law that you were talking about and the US citizenship question. Yeah.
1: Now, I just theoretically, what would
0: stop someone from just lying and saying that they were a citizen on this census? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think it would probably run the risk of perjury, but they're not going to double check all of these.
1: Yeah. Like, so, it, yes, ticks, right? First of all, it's kind of like lying on your taxes, for example. Right. It's taking the risk that you outright lie on something, and the only thing between you and arrest, and in this case, deportation and, and losing your, your livelihood yeah. and your home, et cetera, et cetera. You're just counting on them not to check it, and I would say seven out of ten people are not going to make that bet when the stakes are so high. There are also checks in place, like a social security number. I don't know that, that a yeah. lot of undocumented folks would have a social security so number. Flag other things, double check that with your aunt. And if you say that you're a citizen. I was listening to Preet Bharara recently, the ex attorney general of, of the SDNY yeah. Southern District of New York, who was famously fired by Trump for not being a Trump fan.
0: I also i have said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I so believe that he would have ended up indicting de Blasio. And that is what makes Oh, God. Me, it would have been beautiful. Because did you read, and this is totally autolic, but did you read his memo about his investigation in uh, th- the investigation into De Blasio, and it was like basically we think that he broke a law, but we can't do anything about it. We're right he- there. Ugh. So frustrated. Okay, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so pre on his show, he was explaining, which like probably a competitor, but listen to it. He was explaining um, that does pre Bahara have of Ultra? That's no, what I have to ask. Yeah, no. I don't think he does. But he was saying that because it's so important that census is sensei. At sensei, I'm pretty
0: sensei, <laughs> <laughs> it's animals, um, was
1: cacti, but not, octopus. yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Get accurate information. There's there are these policies in place that they can like go back mm. to your home and ask you. There are a certain amount of follow ups that they will make if you leave something blank, for example, like the citizenship question, because that was the other question that came up. Well, Country why don't you just not blank. say anything? Yeah. yeah, that they will return. And follow up and follow up and follow up. And that's actually a pretty aggressively pursued thing because they want want... accurate information.
0: Yeah. I don't want anyone from the government to show up on my door. This is what, this is when I get real like, I want to live in the woods somewhere and have dogs and have a gun. And like, if you show up at my, on my like very long driveway, I will yell, Are you from the government? And then start shooting. It's not going to happen. But that's like. That's when I get into my my Wyoming spirit is when I'm like, get off my lawn, government.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) Speaking as somebody who's been disowned by my in-laws who actually have one of those fortresses. And, oh, God, now they're going to come kill me. Um,
0: (laughs) No, no, not like that. It would be like a very hippie... You know, like, I would oh, be Brooks the only be one chill. with a gun. Brooks we would, would be good like, and fun. We would fun. have, like, a pot farm, and we'd have, just, like, for, obviously, human purposes And, like, purposes you'd go only. into town to
1: get marshmallows so we could roast them in yeah. the wilderness. But, like, my dogs would hunt robots. What kind of I robots think, are you going to be hunting in the woods? The robots that come for us after we move to the woods, All right. All right. Mackenzie. Right. Somebody you have not thought gonna this through. I'm going to call someone. I <laughs> This seems like a realistic fear, but let's also think about what is useful about the census because that's another thing that's like Well, why do we even care so much about the census? The census is how we figure out who is in all these districts
0: That's right. So So it does actually impact elections in a
1: huge way In a really significant way. And then you think of things like allocation of tax dollars. So getting back to the guardianship context how much funding, for example, Mm -hmm. does this district get to pay guardians for people who don't have any money of their own. Right. And all those things, like money to repair roads, that's how we decide how many people are in each place, how much money each district has, what the makeup of this district is. So if you're working off an
0: old census or an incomplete census or anything like that, it's going to mess up the, the livelihood of a
1: lot of people. Omitting yourself, in a meta sense really only hurts you And right. those close to you At least geographically So that's why it's not So easy an answer to just say Like oh well just don't do it Especially if you think it, it could actively Be a red flag to mm-hmm. the government If you don't submit it So you're damned if you do So you're it's like damned hey basically. I am the person who lives in this house Who either didn't answer The census questions at all Or didn't answer the citizenship question Please, government, show up on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. That is a terrible invitation, and yet the alternative is declare it yeah. to the government that hates you. Yeah,
0: that you're not a citizen.
1: Yeah. So it, it's well, speaking of catch twenty two, it's a real catch twenty two. It also leaves stuck. residents
0: in a weird position, like people who yeah. are here on like visas and stuff like that. LPR, yeah. If, if you are like a legal resident, or you know, you're work, you're here on a work visa or a student visa, yeah.
1: Um, or again, you're a child of, or yeah, exactly. You have a family member who is documented, so, and so you're much not. gray.
0: What what is preventing the government from showing up on your doorstep then? So again, the Supreme Court said that this was unconstitutional to have Which is great this citizenship is great news. question.
1: You take the bitter with the sweet to quote the Supreme Court, <laughs> actually, in a different case. I'm such a fucking freak. <laughs> so before- you're my, you're my little freak. Supreme Court, all knowing Mackenzie. So before we sign off, let me just go through the crash course if you ever are in a position, whether it be facing down an ICE agent or facing down the conservative white dude. Who knows which one you'll be faced with? You know what? You might be faced with both. Maybe it's uh, a Harvard grad who
0: is an ICE agent. You don't know. So you got to be prepared. Come prepared. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Let's just talk about the brief framework of immigration and asylum laws in this country. Because Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about this this week is that Trump has been really passing the buck in conversation about the um, child detainment camps at the border by saying, well, if the Democrats would just change the asylum laws, everything will go away tomorrow. So the onus is on them to make us stop being horrifically unhumanitarian. Um, That's not how it works. Our asylum laws derive from international law and from a lot of treaties that we've acceded to. All right, quickly, we got the UN Charter, Article 55. We got the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is not binding, but it's the basis for international law. The ICCPR, which is the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. We got the ICESCR, Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. Boom! The Organization of American States has their own human rights shit. got the Convention Against Torture, which doesn't allow the conditions that are in these camps. We got some treaty on refugees that was signed in 1951 and then 1967. Exceeded to that via Ted Kennedy. It's cool. He didn't just kill people. He also saved some by proxy. So that's nice. Long story short, we got a lot of stuff. And then in our own framework, we have the due process rights in the Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment. One is national government. One is state governments. Then, obviously, cruel and inhuman treatment. I'm adopting international law language. Just don't be an asshole to prisoners. Right, and the fourth,
0: the actual Fourth Amendment. Actually, where?
1: that's Eighth. Eighth Amendment! Yes. Fourth, <laughs> fourth is a good transition because the fourth is one that only applies to citizens, which sucks. This is where people who are here undocumented get into the tricky territory where they don't get all constitutional protections, and it's, it's a nasty loophole that has been exploited by a generation much beyond the one that penned this and never would have foreseen it. Because... Immigration is also a civil and not criminal right. proceeding, which yeah. is insane if you think of the practical side that it, it involves arrest, detention, really serious punishment and deprivation of liberty hearings that are very much like criminal trials and yet it's a quote-unquote civil proceeding. So it doesn't get the same protections. Right,
0: there's a loophole there for the government when interacting with Searching,
1: these Searching, seizing, appointing counsel. All wh- oh, those what do you things think are a little iffy. That is, is
0: the solution to extend stuff? Because obviously there are mm. some rights that th- they're more complicated to extend to un- undocumented immigrants, and I understand yeah, that. Like resource
1: it, limits and things like right, that. Right. Sure. When it
0: comes to the stuff like the Eighth Amendment and the Prohibition on cruel and unusual punishment that obviously as as a nation that considers itself moral if you know not in practice We do not want someone to be put through cruel and unusual punishment And if you look at a lot of those stories coming from the border a lot of those migrant facilities would fall under cruel and unusual punishment Mm. I would argue
1: I think the first thing up there is that I would too yeah, but not necessarily. I mean, solitary confinement's legal under but the I'd Eighth also Amendment. Argue I know, that and that's is... why I'm saying, like, I agree with you on, yeah. uh, on a personal level. But, but it's so vague, and we're it's not so there flexible, yet, yeah. even for our own citizens.
0: And but it's how can we make sure that migrants are treated with dignity.
1: I don't think the basis for that would be in the constitution yet. I think that in an ideal world that would be a good place to aim. Let's amend the constitution. Let's have a framework in place beforehand where we process these claims in a reasonable way. We don't even have to change everything
0: from citizen to not citizen. Just some level of dignity for people who are non citizen That's
1: where I think the basis probably is because a lot of the treaties that I dmered off, that is the primary and best basis For some baseline level of treatment. We're also, um, we signed on to the Alien Torts Act, which actually allows migrants in this country to sue private actors. Right. So the. The things that all of us are looking for, they're there. They're just not being followed because this administration, they pick and choose even with domestic issues. Not to what about anything. Sure. But this problem,
0: it has been exacerbated under the Trump administration, but it was not not created under the Trump administration. And we are currently living in it and we
1: see. It's a real dehumanizing thing that allows a slippery slope to get really slippery.
0: I think that you're right in that Obama didn't have the same rhetoric, but I think previous administrations yeah. did. Going back to, we talked last week about, you know, the the anti-Italian, anti-Irish yeah, sentiment. Yeah. This anti-immigration sentiment has been around for a long time. And for a long time, we have treated immigrants poorly. So I'm not trying to go into whataboutism, but at the same time, no, you're right. we can't pretend this issue just sprung out of nowhere yeah. the second Trump was elected. He and ran on it... anti-immigration rhetoric, and he won on anti-immigration rhetoric, and the reason why... A lot of people will vote for him again in 2020 is because of his anti-immigration rhetoric and we can't ignore that and his policies are much harsher than previous administrations but
1: again it's not like it's not a new problem and it's not a american problem distinctly otherism and partisanship otherizing certain groups it's a universal problem and you can see it throughout history and I don't know that there is an answer. What I would say is most practical and decently effective as a first step would be to follow that sort of thing. So also worth hitting on, just as an example of how hypocritical and under the radar our immigration laws fly. So, first of all, if you don't come here documented, this is just like a world of catch 22s. It's very difficult to get legal status without coming through a legal venue. And yeah. what's so
0: interesting about that is that a lot of people say, well, why didn't they just do it the quote unquote legal right. way? And the answer is that a lot of them, they're coming from horrible situations. A lot and of they are coming with their kids. We just saw that. Horrible photo of a 23-year-old dad. They left coming a legal port. They were trying was, to do
1: it the right way, and they they couldn't wait because they had an infant. Yeah. This was Oscar Ramirez
0: and his daughter. They were trying to cross the Rio Grande. They died, and the photo is of them face down. She is in his shirt. He clearly was trying to keep her afloat. They both drowned in the water. And it, they
1: were swept away from the mom. From yeah. so the mom
0: survived and made it. Horrifying photo.
1: This is a pair of faces yeah. of what reaches the hundreds in any given calendar year. Right. But I feel like I wanted uh, to, to say, go through. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, really? that it's not easy to do it legally. Okay, oh, so right. for example, if you're here and you did not get here legally, you can apply for a change of status, but to be eligible for that, you have to leave. And once you leave, there's like a 10-year bar on you re-entering. So right. And then that's compounded by backlogs that exist even for first-time migrants. Yeah, applicants. Also, a lot of people talk about how crimes are different for immigration purposes so i just want to list some of the fun things that are in the ina immigration nationality act that are eligible crimes you got regulatory violations so entry-related offenses right any kind of like crossing the border Mm -hmm.
0: that also includes visa overstays correct yep okay
1: Previous order of removal, unlawful presence, overstaying your visa. Right. Um, Fraud, so any documents that you may have written, whether it be like a job application or a tax form, whatever, that has reflected that. Immigration marriage, so if you marry a citizen and it's to get status, then that's a crime for the INA. Right. Public health and morals-based crimes are also... Which, again, one of those really vague concepts that... No
0: one. Agrees we on have that no means. consistent moral
1: set in this country, haven't for a while, but more now than ever. And also, this isn't just conviction of these offenses. It's if you admit to the offenses. If a judge sentences you to anything, whether it be drug treatment, community service, right. if you're a youthful offender, if it's been expunged, that still counts. If you admit to the essential elements that would make up a crime, in some context, that counts. So that includes certain DUIs, marijuana offenses, sex offenses, which include like two minors sexting. That's enough. Okay. So when you think of the rhetoric of, well, let's get rid of the criminals first. For immigration right. purposes, this is what we're talking about. We're yeah. talking about people who are criminals because they are here undocumented. and. There's no way to get well, out of it. and that. also,
0: when people will say, like, if you're here illegally, you're a criminal. That's not necessarily true because right. overseeing your visa is a civil, uh, no, it's a, is it a civil offense? Is that correct? Is, like, yeah, it ratchets eight, up like,
1: on, on how long and yeah. the grounds. So Both of them are deportable or expellable right. offenses.
0: But it's not accurate to say that yeah. illegal immigrants are criminals.
1: No, as no. A whole, as
0: you know, as a blanket term.
1: And it's already a part of my vernacular. I say that as a knee-jerk even without meaning to, yeah. It's how it's been framed,
0: and even some people will even say like, well, you said illegal immigrants, so, like, the word illegal is in it. You trapped me! <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between being a criminal and existing in the U.S. in a way that violates the law. It really is. like right. those are two distinct things. Again, those, that, that rhetoric is important because it's used to... Um, dehumanize people, and it's used to other them, and it's used to say, well, they don't deserve to be here because they're here. It shows you know, the power cr- of language. They're quote-unquote criminals, and it's like, they, you know, most of these people have just overstayed a visa. They actually came in legally yeah. and then did couldn't figure out how to extend their visa, how to get a different visa that's, that's longer, or how to become a citizen, yeah. and so that they're just here now, and they've created a life for themselves, and they now have to leave. It's
1: It creates a, that otherness that you were talking catch-22. about in yeah. the beginning yeah. with criminals in general actual criminals and and not to like draw a distinction like that but even the worst felons if they are rehabilitated there are some people who imbue them with that otherness forever because it's easier and it's a function of fear it's a function of unfamiliarity and it's a function of habit i can't break the habit fully and i'm trying to with with the vernacular alone
0: i remember talking to someone this was three or four years ago before I kind of started actually educating myself on Mm -hmm. the criminal justice system and how um, it preys on certain, you know, like poor people and and people of color and things like that and how easy it is to fall prey to that system. Before I started educating myself that way, I remember having a conversation with someone and they were talking about the state of prisons. And I remember saying, again, from Wyoming, from like the Mm -hmm. pull yourself up by your bootstraps state, from the you are responsible for everything that happens to you state, like – i said well if they don't want to go through that why don't they just not commit a crime and the person looked at me and they
1: sighed they were like <sighs> because it's been ingrained in us from day one and even those of us whose parents and families were trying to be conscious you can't block it out and that's why i'm that glad that
0: is coming all we're time.
1: starting now yeah at least and that's like a good takeaway for everybody just yeah. Do what you can as much as you can and don't get discouraged, but also don't stop trying. Yeah, don't. because my whole heart is in criminal justice reform now because
0: part of it was because I, I realized wake how, up. Yeah. how I was just taught to view people in a completely inhuman way. After I knew that they had committed any crime or were even convicted of a crime. Maybe they didn't even commit it. Like, so many people are innocent and they take plea bargains just so they can get out of, you know, get the process finished.
1: So few cases actually go to trial. And the most insidious thing is that you didn't know you were being taught that. Yeah, exactly. And nobody even knew they were teaching you. Like, I don't think anybody, whether it be your parents or your teachers, nobody sat down there, like, today we're going to teach Brooke to hate criminals.
0: Yeah, I mean, it happens to many of us. And I think that the only thing you can do is educate yourself and try to come at it from a point of view that you could end up in that same situation so easily and if you were in that situation how would you would you want people to suddenly see you as not a person who is worthy of yeah. you know rights and dignity and, and also on dignity?
1: the f- on the flip side i think realizing that if you did end up in that situation how different it would be for you versus mm-hmm. somebody else based on the oh, accident absolutely. of birth or demography i mean i'm a white girl because if i were wrongfully arrested i have people who could pay my bail i have people i could call i have the presumption of innocence actually working in my favor where in word it might but indeed it doesn't for a lot of people but because i'm a nice little white girl who gets a lot of pats on the head like oh my god
0: the entire system is working against the most vulnerable people among us and it's not completely losing sight of personal responsibility but so often it's not personal choices it's yeah. the system eats people up and spits them out right. and
1: we are at 110 so and i'm sweating <gasps> into my headphones i am you know so hot. <laughs> all right guys that's we won't the end. we won't pose a universal hatred today but for naming humidity
0: the thing that everyone hates this week is hot humid weather where you can't go outside my because your face my dewy armpits and you're, oh my God, th- my thighs in the subway, I sit down, I swear to God, they stick to and the subway And leaving seat. a nice
1: little puddle when you get up and feeling really self-conscious about it. But everyone's leaving a puddle. I know. It's just happening to everyone. So no see, we are all escape. in this together. And, this and is we an all hate it. an oppressive,
0: humid, hot, It's an oppressive
1: system of humidity. Here in our little greenhouse. All right, Anyways, guys, thank
0: you so much for listening. Um,
1: thank for surviving you. with I us.
0: I hate the fact that I'm going to say this, but please subscribe if you like us and yeah, rate us on Yeah, and be your friends. Be your we're friends. We're just a little baby podcast. We're trying to get going. We are learning on the ropes and we are so we're happy to have to you walk. around. We're learning and, and eating
1: We think you're so great food. because, I mean, we're biased because you like us and, and we you feel like this far in the field. episode. <gasps> accepting her
0: Oscar. I'm so excited. Okay, we gotta go. Uh, I am Brooke Rogers. You can find me at uh, b k e Rogers on Twitter. You can find me at Brooke Angeline on Instagram. Please send me a DM if you have any questions or want a subject discussed, or if you just want some
1: give some feedback. And Mackenzie, where you at? Yeah, I am M-K-Z. M K Z. M is in Mary, but also Mackenzie. K Z J. Brennan B R E N N A N on Instagram and on Twitter I am get me to number 2 a nunnery all right guys we love you from
0: you thank you so much for listening we love you thank
1: you we love you so much bye, bye. bye.